0: Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams.
1: Hello, and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose, a weekly podcast in which we talk about the secrets behind living the life you've always dreamed of. I'm Ellen Barton, and today my guest is Richard Klein. Richard is the president of Advanced Battery Systems, or ABS. Richard started his company out of the back of a pickup truck, and now they've grown into one of the largest battery specialists and suppliers in Southern California. Richard was re- recently honored as Small Business Person of the Year by the Los Angeles Chamber of Commerce. Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ellen. I'm really glad you're here, and we got a chance to talk a little bit before I hit record, and I'm very excited about this conversation but I want to start out by taking you back to the early days of your business. Now you you've grown quite large now, but it didn't start out that way. Why don't you paint that picture for us?
0: Well, I I started working uh for someone else in a kind of retail battery starter alternator electrical um short shop and um and I quickly realized after, you know, a year or two that I I couldn't be confined uh you know to a 3,000 square foot kind of lot. Um and so I asked the owner if I could go out and open wholesale accounts, and he said, uh, "Sure, as long as you're back every day by 11 o'clock, so I can leave." And so, uh, so I, so I, I started uh, going to wholesale shops, and I, and I really wanted to be an expert in the the products that I had and be involved in the industry. And so I went to all the Mom and pop automotive garages and some of the smaller cities and municipalities, and, and I joined the industry group, um, the Automotive Service Council. And in joining that and being of service, and then getting elected to the board, um, and then leading kind of the the meetings, um, I became the guy that people wanted to do business with, and so I was working out of a a little pickup truck and an Isuzu um, NRP turbo diesel with uh, a bunch of batteries on it and I would put consignments into all of these garages and at that time cell phones, this is 31 years ago, so at that time cell phones were just getting popular and they were big, they were the size of briefcases, right? So I actually had a a transportable um, phone that I could mount in either one of these vehicles, and it was hooked up to my horn. So I would be wheeling batteries into a shop, and my horn would honk, and I'd stand up the dolly and run back to the vehicle, <laughs> and answer the phone. Um, and the, all the mechanics in the shop would laugh. Um, and uh, what I realized was that they knew, um, you know, as a result of that. How much I cared about my customers. How much I cared about, you know, what it was I was doing. And so, um, so that's kind of how it all started. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and-
1: I, I love that. I can imagine that scene being in a movie. You know, very clearly, it's it's fabulous, and it really shows you had that hustle, and that motivation, and. Uh, when you start out a business or, or I guess any time in a business, I think one of the things that's very important to success is mindset. Um, Did you find that? Did you, you know, do any work around that on yourself?
0: Oh my God. All right. So, um, so I was a speech communication major in college and, um, and I was kind of introduced to some great speakers, um, you know, throughout high school and college, and uh, before I started the business, I was a motivational tape junkie. I mean, I had every set. I had all the Brian Tracy's, all the Jim Rohns, all the <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. I had I had everybody at that time, and I was listening to all of them. And then I stumbled on um, to a book called The E Myth by Michael Gerber, and mm. and The E Myth is all about how. Um, somebody who's good at carpentry um, starts their own business as a carpenter, but they really don't understand business, and so I thought, well, I'm a pretty good salesman. I'm I'm great with people, but I really don't, even though I took business classes, I knew I had a weak spot, and so um, for me, I, I needed to I needed to have a time management tool that would allow me to really focus. And I needed to not concentrate so much on my strengths, but concentrate on my weaknesses. So kind of these books and tapes, um, led me to find some mentors, um, that were people that I respected and admired in the industry. And I would take them to lunch, uh, and, uh, and just listen to them. And then, um, knowing that my, Kind of my weakness was was a little bit around finance. I found a, another book called Up Your Cash Flow by Harvey Goldstein, and it goes, you know, line item by line item on the on the general ledger to help you um, to up your cash flow, and it shows the importance of that. And it also showed me the importance of having enough money to start the business and not operate it on the tightest shoestring possible because that's why most businesses fail. And so I came into the business, um, a little bit later, like six months or a year later than I had originally envisioned because I wanted to have a solid foundation and I wanted to earn enough money that I could hire kind of a good accountant who became my really good friend, um, to help me shore up the, the weakness. Um, and I did.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's so smart, and it brings up a really good point, because I see it time and time again with people starting a business. They tend to do it on the shoestring and scramble around doing everything themselves, whereas, you know, you said you're getting advice from different people, and you're taking the time to read and learn, and then build up your team of support in the areas where maybe you were a little bit weaker, and at the end of the day, that's the only way you can grow.
0: Yeah, you have to leverage yourself because it. You know, it's funny. As a small business owner, I say I'm, I'm so blessed as a small business owner. <clears throat> I get to choose my own hours. I can work any 80 hours a week that I pick.
1: <laughs> yeah, some people think, uh, some people over-glamorize the small business world, I guess. Um, but would you trade, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything, would you?
0: No, you know what I I love what I do, and I, I that for me I I have three partnerships, you know, three really strong partnerships. I have a a partnership with my employees, who are like my second family. And when it's really funny, when I won the Small Business Person of the Year award um, from the SBA, and my twenty nine year old son was there in the audience, I said to him, um, you know you were my first human born offspring. Um, but I need you to know, and this is in front of 500 people, I said, but, but I need you to know that you're not my first kid.
1: Hmm.
0: My business is my first kid. And so the, the, the partnerships that I have, I, I have a partnership with my employees who I love, who are like my second family. And I, I kind of have a work wife that I go in and laugh with. Um, and she picks on me and I pick on her. And then I have vendors that are my friends. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we're working together um, trying to figure out win-win solutions to grow the business and solve problems. And then my customers. So it's, it's three legs of a stool for me. And if any one of those three legs gets out of balance, I'm in trouble.
1: Mm-hmm. So no, that, that really makes a lot of sense. Have you, so you've been in business for um, quite some time now. Have you found any um, routines that you've developed or um, tips you can perhaps share of what works for you to keep yourself somewhat structured or on track or focused?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. W- without that, I'm a raving maniac. So I am. <laughs> I'm I'm an early riser, and you know we tend to, if if you don't ground yourself every day, you tend to spin into the day, and so um, I wake up and I I do um, a little a little prayer and I and I read um, something motivational and I do a little short meditation out of a out of a book um, that I absolutely love called Miraculous Living. Um, by Rabbi Sh- Rabbi uh, Shoni Liebowitz, that's just this great little book, and it's kind of been a, a thing for me. Um, and then I and then I do journaling every day, um, and I do that to ground myself in times of trouble and in and in good times because what I realized I I think and what I continually realize every day is that if I if I don't do that. I don't have an anchor so that that kind of ritual you know prayer meditate stretch uh journal then leads me to my planner um and my planner is the is the foundation of the day and so i did time management planners and all sorts of i just kind of seek out these things but i have in my planner i i'm old school this way and I have my A1, my A2 my A3 my A4 and I just continually have to ground myself throughout the day and take a deep breath and get back to my planner um, and and my focus and I, I think I'm at a place now in my career where every day I share just to share you know. Brian Tracy said, um, you know, give in order to receive. Well, I'm at a place now in my in you know, kind of in my heart and everything where um, I share to share. And I'm not sharing to receive. I naturally receive as a result of the unconditional sharing that I get to do with, you know, the people that I interact with on a daily basis.
1: Oh, that's 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 beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you to, I, I, I think that, that uh, taking the time to be really intentional about how your day is going to unfold and, and reflecting on the day that perhaps has come before or what is to come is so valuable. Um, and many of the very successful people I've um, gotten the chance to talk with have similar routines. So there's definitely something to be said for that. It's uh, very interesting. It's so easy to get caught up in the day when you don't set an intentional routine and you, you start out, you know, going onto your email and checking the news and going on Facebook. And it, it's, it's um, easy for the time to just get sucked away if you don't, you know, set some boundaries and, and make that happen.
0: And, and, you know, I wake up in bed in the, in the morning and my mind is just racing about all of the things that I didn't do and I have to do. And, um, you know, but then when I kind of get up and, you know, and, and get to my and get to my journal and get to my reading, um, I stop beating myself up. I, you know, I, I actually get to let that stuff go and say, um, you know, I'm doing some really good stuff. I'm not going to be able to do everything, you know. Just you just kind of have to let go sometimes, and um, and allow yourself to enjoy the journey.
1: Mm-hmm. That's very true. I had a coach once who um, we were talking about the idea of me leaving work at five o'clock and going to see my horse. And I was protesting. I was saying, gosh, I can't leave. I have things that aren't done. How could I possibly leave? And she gave me the analogy of a Tibetan prayer prayer wheel, which is a, you know, circular Mm -hmm. wheel. And um, she said, work is like that. It's, it's now, you never can come to the end of it. It's, you're always replacing your tasks. And, you just have to decide when to be at peace and walk away and then jump back into it the next day. And I think acknowledging your, your acknowledging what you've accomplished and being able to walk away is a big deal. And it sounds like you've kind of, you're working on mastering that maybe.
0: Well, it's really, you know, uh, kind of a sidetrack. I just downloaded an app about a month ago. It's called keep and Uh it, it allows you to, um, to program in um, times and things that happen. So, at various times during the day, I will um, at, at two o'clock my my a little alarm will go off and it'll say water content. At um, and I'll look at it and if I haven't drank my three or four glasses of water, I'll snooze it, and I'll <laughs> and then I'll drink my water and then it'll go off again and then I can put it as complete and it it keeps me on track at. At 5 o'clock, you know, it's, it's content complete. Um, and, and at 10 o'clock at night, it's relaxed, thankful, you know. So I have just two words at, mm-hmm. at each one of these intervals three or four times a day that just kind of helps me to go, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great. And I really hope that if anybody's listening to this podcast who is, in the startup phase of a business or thinking of starting a business, I hope you're hearing this message that there is so much more to it than just the work. It's it's a more holistic picture that you're building at any stage of a business, even startup, when we're all working those 80 hours, but there still is the other side of ourselves that we need to take care of.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So let's, let's move forward. So um, you talked a little bit about when you began your business and um, you, were, you, you had the hustle going on. You had the, the cell phone thing and the, um, the pickup truck. And then when you kind of get into the next phase and you, you got, I guess you bought the business at some point.
0: I, well, actually, I, I bought the business that I had created inside of the, inside of the business. And then 10 years later, I ended up buying the whole business and that business that I ended up actually selling all the products to went under, um, because we had an unscrupulous manager that was actually doing some stuff that he shouldn't have been doing. And Mm. and that ended up, that business ended up failing and being spun into, um, my business, but we, we lost a bunch because that was a dream was to have that business too. And, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes your dreams, uh, don't turn out the way you envision them.
1: You know, very true. And I find one thing that's really been interesting to me about being in business is all the lessons that come up that really have nothing to do with business. They're life lessons and they teach you to, you know maybe walk away from a situation like that and not let it consume you for the rest of your life or you know you there's all these things that you end up having some kind of personal development throughout the whole thing it's not just all business it's not just all money there's you know people and yourself and relationships it's fascinating
0: yeah well it's all it's all connected I mean that the things that I do um you know that are giving things to the community are based on my passion and the things that I do in my industry um that are giving are based on you know my desire and my passion for it I, I do what I love
1: Yeah you do what you love and then when it doesn't go right it's there is a a a, a skill or a knack to being able to let it go too you know I think we, we both know people I'm sure that don't let it go. And then it just becomes, everything is about getting revenge on that person or, you know, like whatever, at some point you just have to move on.
0: Oh, I have so many stories about that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you? (laughs) Oh dear.
0: (laughs) Uh, You know what? Sometimes, you know, we, we, sometimes we trust people and we, and we give and we give. And I'm actually now at a place where um, where people actually have to kind of like, like I seeked out a mentor in my early career. I wanted to help everybody, you know, for, for all of my life. I, you know, if if somebody had a problem, I, I wanted to help them. It didn't matter almost whether they wanted me to help them or whether they really deserved help or whether they really had kind of the intention and the commitment to do it. I wanted to I wanted to make them successful. And, mm-hmm. you know, now I realize you can't make anybody successful. So um, I, when I did this speech a couple of weeks ago um, about funny thing about money and, uh, and loans and investments, which was my weakness before, I had a lady come up to me afterwards and say, would you consider being my mentor? And I said, um, I said, only if you'll allow me to get tears on your dress because I'm so honored that you would ask me.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, For me, that's the ultimate, is to have somebody come to me from their heart and say, you know, I started this business, you know, a year and a half ago or or two years ago, and the things that you said really touched me. Can I take you to lunch?
1: Mm. That's lovely. That's got to be very... um gratifying i guess in some way and you talked about the this next stage of your business and how um in becoming more expert in your field you also you kind of made it a hobby too and, and how if you can do that it's um i guess a good thing because we spend so much time in our businesses do you have anything to add about that, as, as people are, you know, getting ready to grow their business, or would you, what would you say to your mentee, who's getting into that stage of business?
0: Um, well, I'd say would say a couple of things. I'd say um, <clears throat> I'd say you always have to find a way um, to be unique and special to your customers. So for us, it was always finding the newest product line. It was about listening really listening to our customers to find out, you know, where the the shortcomings were, where their problems were and stuff, and then kind of being ahead of the industry curve. So we made it a hobby to do these trainings on new product lines and things that we found in our customer base of cities and municipalities. And we, we made it a hobby to find the places where things weren't working for people and to match those things through training, which no other battery companies do like we do. We do more trainings um, and attend more seminars and do more speaking things than, than I think anybody else um, in our industry. But, but what I would also advise them of is that if you're good at what you do, that a lot of opportunities will present themselves to you too many opportunities and you know kind of early in my career I I felt like an octopus you know in the outfield and all these opportunities were flying at me and I would try to catch all of them and as a human I only have two hands and um and so those things opportunities can kill you because cash is king um and cash flow is the whole royal court. I mean it's the whole it's the whole family and and it always takes three or four times and this would be my advice to any small business. It, it always takes three or four times the amount that you think it's going to take to monetize a new program or an idea. So you can go out of business easily because you have too many opportunities. So learning to stay to say no is one of the biggest lessons that I would give to any new startup small business. Just learn to say no. Be laser beam focused. Um, find ways to connect people and and get people to the place that they want to go and and make sure that they value the fact that you gave them the connection. But learn to say no. and um, And have a big giant grass catcher list that every once in a while you pull out you pull out and take a look at it and say, "Hey, this is a shiny apple. Do I have a little bit of time to work on this one now?"
1: Mm, yeah. That's really great advice. It's hard to say no sometimes when you're grappling and you're, you know, you and especially when you need the cash flow. So there's a a temptation to try this and try this and try that. But you're right, you get so scattered nothing can work.
0: Right. Well, and then the other I guess the other side of that is when you decide to do something. When you when you make a decision, then you are a pit bull, and you you, you, know, you put on your you put on your glasses, and you push through it, and you reframe it, um, and you do what you commit to, and then you do more than you commit to, and then when you get a little larger, you have to be really authentic with your employees, and not beat them up, but you have to be authentic and say. Hey, you committed to this, you committed to do this at this time in this way. Um, And so we have a thing in our business called Request and Promise that I work with a coach on. Um, And so if I give my employee a task, they can do four things. They can accept it as I give it with the timelines and everything. Um, They can ask for a modification of it and say, I can do it, but I can do it at this level, and I can do it by this day. They can say, I'd really like to delegate this to somebody else because I have all of these other things on my plate. Or, hey, boss, I don't think this is the best use of our time at all. Can you really rethink us being involved with this? And so that request and promise thing, if you do that up front with people and you give them the power to actually respond rather than just ordering them to do stuff and then beating them up when they don't. Um, you grow a great company.
1: Yeah. I, I was going to ask you about that. So is it difficult for you to get employees that want to do like all the training and all of, and, and be invested or have, how have you developed your culture in a way that helps you attract employees that are excited to be there?
0: Well, that's interesting. That's a really, it's a really interesting question, Ellen. Um, hiring, I love everybody. So, um, so when I interviewed people, um, I, especially in the early parts of my business, it was more about me selling them on the company and the job than mm-hmm. it was about me thinking, do they fit? Are they great? What do they bring to the? I was trying to sell them on working for me, which, mm-hmm. It's totally an upside-down pyramid. Um, so I'm working with. I have a, a COO, um, Dennis Bernstein, who is my best friend and and I love. Um, and he's just really good at doing hiring. And he has um, changed uh, the corporate culture in a really in a really positive way. And we now have a bunch of people that are engaged and enrolled. And, um, and I've grown a lot in the process as well. So, uh, you know, it's finding, finding those people that do those things great. So, uh, if it was me just hiring people, uh, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's harder than it sounds. It's definitely a skill.
0: Well, I have gotten taken advantage of and, and, um, and stolen from and abused and, um, and manipulated. And, uh, I guess, you know, part of the beauty of, um, of having a successful business is you can, you can fail a lot and still be okay.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up failing because that's something that we should probably not be so afraid of. It's something that happens. And, um, to everybody and we all end up learning something every time it happens but it's not fun. And sometimes we all have to go through things that are challenging or it's not quite going our way. That's where grit comes in. I like talking about grit. And I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts for us on that. Like when, when things aren't going your way and you just kind of want to stay in bed and pull the covers over your head, how do you get through that and deal with it, deal with, deal with whatever's happening?
0: I think that, you know, kind of goes back to the, you know, the morning kind of foundation where I, you know, where I write in my journal. And, um, you know, when you're in that spot where, where tears are in your eyes and you're totally overwhelmed and just saying it, I feel it, you know, and you feel it to your bones um, because I've been there mm-hmm. so many times. I, I slow down. I, I take a breath or I take a hundred breaths. And I try to get to a place where I realize that the worst that can happen is not so bad, and so I ask myself um, you know what's the what's the worst thing that can happen and and what's the worst thing that can happen?" And I kind of write a little bit and kind of dump it out of my head and onto a piece of paper and I write it. Um, one of the ways that I have found um, to uh, to grit is um is I have this kind of another pyramid um, that I use, and it's what's the good news, what's missing, and what's possible? So, so many of the times that we're faced with these awful dilemmas, and we think that, you know, it's it's you're just in a hurricane, and it's black, and there's no way out if you start with the good news and you lay a foundation, what's the good news? So in every bad thing, there's some good news. When I have, a, when I have um, an awful issue with a vendor or, you know, or whatever, I try to f- first say what the good news is, and then I talk about what's missing, and then that leads me to a conversation with other people about what's possible. And those three things um, tend to turn um, my frown upside down.
1: Mhm. That's great advice because that helps you become empowered. You, you know, you start to see action when you work through those three things. Whereas when you're in that place of despair and feeling like a victim, it's it's a terrible place to be. You know, so being able to shift that energy is 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 imperative for any kind of success.
0: So yeah. Those
1: are that's great advice.
0: Yeah, it's scary actually. It's, you know, it's scary when you're overwhelmed because you can just spin. And it's yeah. it's really it's really interesting because um I I I have someone that has that clear vision and um sometimes you're just spinning and you're like that's not fair, it's not right, I can't believe that person is doing this to me, that supplier is a jerk, and blah, 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 and you start to spin, and then mm-hmm. you get with other people that go, yeah, he's a jerk, and he did this, and you just start spinning down this negative road, mm-hmm. and then I go, um, and then I say, you know, what would, what would Joe do? What would Joe say? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and, uh, and that takes me back to a foundation where I go, okay, what's the good news? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, I'm really glad you brought this up because it's a really powerful statement. And it's also learning how to be aware of other people when they're spinning and realizing you don't need to be sucked into their drama. You know, It's so easy to go there, but it's a choice.
0: Right. Well, and the other thing is, even when you don't have any idea of what their motivation is, you know, I have, I have one vendor that, and I don't, I don't understand it at all, but this guy hates me. And I don't know what I did. I have no idea. Um, really, literally none. But I constantly try to put myself in his shoes and think of ways that, that he or reasons and, and ways that, that he um, can be can be helped. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's you know, uh, I share to share, kind of, I'm you know, I'm going to share with him to share with him, and I'm just going to keep sharing, and then naturally, sometime down the road, it will come back to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's kind of unconditional sharing.
1: Yeah, and at least it stops you from getting hold into the negative you know if nothing else if you never can help him because he has to help he has to want to be helped obviously but at least it keeps you more at peace right
0: yeah and you know and when somebody doesn't do something that you think they're going to do and you've got plans all tied up around other things and you thought this was going to happen and then now your your house cards is crumbling because this one person you know shot a BB into the card that holds the whole deck up, you know, it's like uh-huh. you, you, you kind of have to find a way to, to reframe it. I mean, over and over again.
1: I, I would say with some confidence, we've all been there too. So <laughs> so it's good to keep that in mind that we can be intentional. We can choose our reactions and um, definitely keep moving forward. You've given us a lot of golden advice here. I'm very grateful for it. But before we wrap up, I want to ask you about some of this, another way you're giving back, which is working with disadvantaged youth. And um, I'm very curious about that, like why you feel called to do that or what you're doing with them or what you plan to do with them. Um, You want to talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, well, I, I have three kids And, um, and I, when I was young, um, really young, I was a camp counselor at the, at the YMCA and I didn't think I was, you know, special or different. I was just a, you know, I was just a 14 year old kid, um, playing with the kids, having a good time. And, and, um, my wife says I'm 16 and I will always be 16. And I love the fact that I'm 16. So, um, in that camp, uh, they gave ratings to the counselors, and I was the only counselor out of twenty something counselors that got a ten and that really and, and this is at fourteen, so that really kind of stuck in my in my heart that um that obviously I loved working with kids, but that I was also good at it. and I would watch moms when I coached soccer and baseball and basketball and for all three of my kids at simultaneously and sat on the board and woke up at four in the morning and set the fields up for soccer. And um, I would watch the moms sit on the sideline or the dads and talk to each other and not be there. You know, they it was social for them. And for me, I, I was always right in the middle of it, you know, with with the mm-hmm. kids, because that's that's who I wanted to be with. Um, so I woke up in the middle of the night and I had this idea for, um, a thing that I call most, um, which is motivational organizational self-esteem and time management training for, um, for inner city, inner city youth for disadvantaged youth. And I, I don't think our education system, um, ever teaches us so many of the things that lead to success in life. And the, so many of the courses that were great courses um, aren't even taught anymore. And in co- in high school, in, in my junior year of high school, I had a class called Bachelor Living, and it was an experimental class, and it taught us about how to budget and how much your rent should be in relation to your pay and you know how to put together a shopping list, how to do a checkbook. Um, and that class was cut. Mm. Right. And it, I didn't like the teacher I'm not going to go back about that, but, um, but the class itself and the concept is something that I think is missing. um, And especially for disadvantaged kids, I want to start something through, um, through kind of the charter school system and, um, and it will be for young kids. um, So there'll be a most kids. And then if it grows, there'll be a, a Uh, most youth and and then i'd like to do something with most adults so um what it does is with little kids is i kind of outlined you know um launch your day so when you wake up in the morning and you're laying in bed um close your eyes and think about what you're thankful for fill your mind with fun and then Say something nice. Say something nice about yourself. Say something nice to somebody else. And then while and then when you get up, plan your day, write, sing, dance, and then play in your plan. And you know, try to catch yourself smiling. And then when you go to bed at night, you know, kind of review the fun and and count your thank yous and paint paint a happy night's sleep for yourself. So that's kind of I just I just think we don't take the time to stop and appreciate. And if you do this at an early age with kids, then you set a foundation that uh, that can change the world. And I want to change the world.
1: Oh, I love that. that sounds wonderful. Sounds wonderful. Good luck with that. Um, Richard, it's been great talking with you. Is there anything else you want to add?
0: No. It's, it, you know what? Uh, thank you for, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, it's wonderful to get to share this, you know, 30 something year journey and kind of my little tidbits. um, I've been really, really, really blessed. And um, I really appreciate the opportunity to share that.
1: Yeah, well, thank you so much. It it really was uh, a lot of valuable information. So I look forward to putting it out there for everybody and uh, getting feedback. I think it's going to be very well received. So thanks so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. My guest was Richard Klein. And you can find this complete interview and links to Richard's website and all of the books and resources he mentioned on our website, readysetgrit.com. Thanks again for joining us and check in again next Friday when we release another episode with tips on how to turn your daydream into a phenomenal success.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at ReadySetGrit.com, where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our ebooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit. Inspired actions, real results.